was this idea that creativity can't come from a place of fear and it can't come from a like success is often the thing that kills creativity and mm. right like you see it someone has a great success and then they're like what now because you're so and that's my feeling was I was so afraid of breaking this magic thing I'd created because for humans I mean it was still a fun place like it wasn't that like I didn't like it it was I was still playing in it it was still fun but there was something like really wrong personally like I knew something was off and now I look back and I'm like oh I had identified so strongly with that that I was super super scared of breaking it Hi, I'm Carlos, co-founder of the Happy Startup School, and welcome to our Happy Startup Community Podcast. Along this journey of building the Happy Startup School, I've had the privilege of meeting amazing people from around the world. Whether it was across a banqueting table at our summer camp festival, or sat at a beach cafe in Goa during one of our retreats, each of them had fascinating stories to tell and interesting ideas to share that have changed how I look at business and life. This podcast is my effort to share these conversations with you and to open up your horizons to new perspectives and ways of viewing the world. I hope they become a source of inspiration, learning and connection. Enjoy. Right, intro take four. I've done this three times now and I've been interrupted by the bloody tannoy. I am on a plane on the way to the Philippines from Hong Kong. This is the second leg of the journey. I'm here with my brother Nick. Say for the fourth time, say hello Nick. Kumustaka. <laughs> He's getting bored with this. Um, so yeah, I wanted to get this episode, uh, this intro for the episode out uh, now so I can upload it to m- for tomorrow morning. I forgot it's Tuesday. Uh, I thought it's still Monday. We are jumping too many time zones. So anyway, this episode is with Marianne Cantwell. Uh, she's an entrepreneur, coach and author of Be a Free Range Human. I first met Marianne at our summer camp in 2015 where she ran a workshop about escaping the 9 to 5 and creating a lifestyle that aligns with your business. In this episode we talk about her journey uh, from then and also journey of writing her book and we discuss how leaving employment to create our own businesses can mean unintentionally swapping one cage for another. While building a successful business can bring you more autonomy, we can also get trapped by that feeling of success and the fear of losing it. When we over-identify with our businesses, we lose sight of where our success ends and where we begin. We forget that we're enough, no matter what. Marianne recalls how she was triggered by the question, if your business didn't exist anymore, who would you be? Losing touch with who we really are can trap us in a cycle of overwork as we strive to maintain our past levels of success. Marianne talks about rooting down as well as growing the business because without those roots, our feelings of success can be easily blown away. Rooting down is an inner journey of self-discovery and defining our own inner compass. You can see how her message resonates with what we're about at the Happy Startup School, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, The way I like to do podcasts, it's like an emergent conversation rather than Mm -hmm. too too much structure. I like the idea of you've been to summer camp and you remember what it's like to sit in the barn and have dinner. I like this idea. We've sat opposite each other at the table and we're having a chat. Uh, And someone sat next to us and is is interested in our conversation. And so if I was to turn to that person to my right and say, oh, this is Marianne, uh, I'd get her to introduce herself. Um, How would you like to introduce yourself? Hmm. 
Oh, I would introduce myself, obviously, as the author of Be a Free Range Human, the founder of Free Range Humans, and someone who's always been really interested in how our differences can also end up being our edge um, and how we show up in the world without sort of hiding our personality to do that. Hmm. And what is it you're, you know, you, you seem to have a very p- particular mission that you're on and you're trying to help people with sp- a specific journey. What, how would you describe that? How are you trying to help people? I think that there's the surface of how I'm trying to help people and there's the reality. And the surface is if you pick up the book or you just hear about it in the press, you might think that it's about escaping the nine to five and creating your own business. Um, and that's very, as partly what I help people with. But I think what what I get feedback on where my heart really lies is there's a lot of people doing that work. And what I feel I do really differently is that work is just a conduit for what the real work is, which is really being okay with who you are and stopping Mm. spending, you know, 90% of your time trying to be like, say the shiny people on the internet, like the influencer in your industry, you are totally stalking and understanding like in a very practical way, how do I become a real leader in what I do by doubling down on the bits of me that right now I might think are not good enough are not big enough are not shiny enough. And that's the work that we really do. Yeah. So it sounds it's this journey of self-discovery. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And what, um, so just to give people a bit more context about you, maybe you could share a bit about your journey to, to, to now, to here, mm. this kind of work. What's, what sparked that, that particular journey and what did you go through to, to come to this realisation that this is what you're here to do? Well, I want to, first thing I say is I don't think any of us are here to do anything. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I always pick up on that um, because I think that's language that we use. And I think that is a lot of pressure on someone to say, oh, my gosh, I'm here to do something and I don't know what that is. Like, what's the point of my existence? So I know it's just a phrase, but I do pick up on it because firstly, I say I don't think I'm here to do anything. I think that I and you and everyone are here to be the best version of ourselves, whatever that means, to not hide the things that we are, to not spend our lives being a shadow version of someone else. And however that looks out like, and that doesn't always look like a business, um, but that's great. Um, and so with that statement in mind, um, I, I've had a few parts to my journey, as everyone has. Uh, the first one, first iteration was I went through the usual, you know, school, university, job, Ended up quitting my job to start my own thing back in 2008. Uh, started a few different, like a portfolio career. People kept asking me, how did you quit your job? And so I started a blog mm-hmm. called Free Range Humans. Um, and there, that ended up growing. And then I morphed what had been a career coaching portion of my portfolio career into the Free Range Humans brand. And that really took off. It became workshops. It then became online only. It then became group uh, experiences only, online courses. And that was kind of iteration one. And that's and as part of that, I got approached by some publishers back in, I think it was 2012, was that right? No, 2011. And then I wrote Be a Free Range Human that came out in 2013. But be honest with you, since then, I think the real journey has started. Um, and the second edition of Be a Free Range Human was like such a, um, a result of realizing that 
there isn't just, you don't just make one change and that's who you are forever. Uh, And I think that's really familiar to a lot of us. You know, it's not just the one thing that you do. And so what the journey I've been on since that point has been very much separating my identity from my work. Um, I think that's Mm. a huge mistake that we make and I made it. Um, When my first edition of my book came out, I was so personally invested in it that I didn't see where it ended and I began. And that is, you know, I'm sure you've felt that, Carlos, and I think everyone has who's done their own thing. That That's a lot of pressure to put on something. You know, if it goes up, you go up. If people talk about it in a certain way, they're talking about you in that way. Um, who are you outside of that? And I'd lost sight of it because I'd bought into this thing people say, which is if you love what you do, then, you know, it's not, you, you're not going to need to have time off, you know? And so for me, I was like, well, I love thinking about what I do. And so I ended up, long story short, I can tell you so many stories of what happened in that time. After my book came out, I actually had a little bit of a personal crisis. It did really well. Um, it was shared by Tim Ferriss. It was all over the internet. It got into the papers. Uh, and I, just when I was meant to be really happy, I went from being really happy and loving what I do to having a personal crisis um, and being like, oh my God, who am I? And end up going through like wow. a mental break. I had a year of depression. Um, and what happened since has been completely different and a lot more, yeah, a lot more, I think, real. But we're happy to talk about all that, whatever you think is is interesting for you. No, I'm super curious because I think there's there's one aspect of um, when you when you see when well, when people see someone like yourself, where you have a really a book that's doing really really well, and you're getting a lot of praise for it, and a lot of um, exposure for it, and there's this perception we create that wow, she has her shit together, she's <laughs> smashing it, and she's telling saying all the right things, and and then but then and and the pressure that I believe that puts other people under thinking like, oh, mm. I'm never going to be that good or I don't, I don't have anything to say or I, I, that, that's just beyond me, that, that, that can actually stop people from, from trying and doing something different because of that imposter syndrome and hearing actually the real story around it and what that means in terms of a journey that we can all take I think is really useful. And so... I'd like to. I'd be curious about this. You know, so you're, you're at this stage where your book is doing really, really well, and and that you know you've done make create something that's delivering value to people, but but is it was something was missing there, or what was it that? It's that hard turned? to explain. I think it was. It it I think it was a few things. One of them was you know, I went from having this wonderful little world of what was you know my my people. I had free range humans. I was based out of Bali a lot before everyone else got there. So it was, it was a very like, it was a fun, creative space. You know, there weren't, um, as I'm saying a lot these days, when when my the first edition came out, there weren't tons of websites talking about creating your own thing. You know, live life on your terms was literally a phrase I made up. Like I used it on my blog. No one else was using it. Now you Google it and you can find it all over the internet. So it was a very different vibe. You see what I mean? Like I was like, I want to write the original version to let people know, hey, there's another option. Isn't it cool? We can be we can be creative. We can get to know our personality. We can create something from that. So by the time the book actually hit publication, because there's a big gap between writing and publication, it already the, the wheels already started to turn and things started to move. 
And so suddenly it landed at this nascent point where instead of it just being this great community of people doing things with such heart who really cared, it suddenly got exposed to people who had a very different attitude and a very different vision. It was all about how do we scale in this way, not because that's the right thing for us to do, but that's because that's what people are meant to do. And suddenly it became, I started seeing, number one, for me personally, it went from being a fun, creative space to being like, oh my gosh, if I just invite the entire neighborhood to my house. So I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> and I think I was also young. I wasn't ready to be in that. I was in already in a leadership role, but suddenly I was like really in a leadership role. And I was like, whoa, I didn't really know that was a thing that was going to happen. So that was the first thing. Um, the second thing was that the industry, as I said, was changing. And my intention suddenly got caught up in all these formulas, all these sort of, you know, systems for success or whatever we want to call them that led very much to people. I'd see my readers who I cared about so much and who I'd got to know, you know, through our events and our courses, they would do something, they'd either quit their job or they'd start something on the side as we talk about in the book. And then they'd go and find these other groups and these other people and other approaches and suddenly I would watch them because you know, I'd be friends with them on Facebook and I would watch them switch out a job for a business that was another box and another cage. And I could see what was going on. I'm like, they're really unhappy. And some of them are having success, but they're going to crash. And they did. Uh, and some of them are not having success, but they're pretending to. And it's not hard when you've been in the work I do for as long as I do to tell who's really having success and not. And I was like, they're not. They're just pretending. And of course they weren't. And so I was seeing these people switch one box for another. And my book was almost like the gateway drug to that. And I was like, how do I stop this? And plus, there was a lot of stuff going on in the industry. And also, I mean, on a personal perspective, as I said, I wasn't grounded enough. And we don't talk about that, that we talk about rising and we talk about growing. But it's like, as I think the way we talk about, like, if you look on Facebook now, if your feed's anything like mine, you might see ads for, you know, make six figures as a coach, even if you've had no clients. And I see those and I'm like, I know what that feels like because I've done that sort of thing. Like I've, I've been that person who's had those, that success. And the feeling is if you put a tree, you plant a tree and it doesn't have deep roots and it goes really tall, the first wind will knock it over. And we're building an industry that's going to get knocked over. And so my journey, like at that point was like, I need roots. I need to go down. I need to reground. And no one's talking about that because it's not the sexy side. So that's a long answer, but that was my, very much my journey. I'd been going up, but I hadn't rooted down yet, if that makes sense. No, it does. Um, and I, I'm curious about the, the grounding aspect of, of your journey and what that meant to you, because, um, yeah, like you say, you know, the, the, there's this amazing tree and it's growing and it's great and it looks amazing <laughs> and fabulous and uh, and all it would take is you, you mentioned a gust of wind though to blow it over. Yeah, was that a metaphor for something that happened for you, or is this something that? Well, what does it what did it mean to be grounded, and how were you not mm. grounded? I think well, I said at the beginning that. When, you know, when we care about our business or our ideas, we can over-identify with them. And I didn't know where I ended and free-range humans began anymore. Uh, and that was something where I think that's a good example of it because I had no – my identity was just there. It was outside of me. Um, 
So I couldn't consider doing something else. I could con- couldn't consider making it something bigger than me or, and, and you know what I mean? Like it was so connected. I didn't know where I was outside of that anymore. Um, I think that's one really big example because then your, your self-worth is so tied to that. Um, mm. And I, something I hear, I've read a lot when I was looking, I was sort of doing the work after this going, where do I want to be? Who, who yeah, who do I want to become? Was this idea that creativity can't come from a place of fear and it can't come from a, like success is often the thing that kills creativity. And mm. right, like you see it, someone has a great success and then they're like, what now? Because you're so, and that's my feeling was I was so afraid of breaking this magic thing I'd created because for humans, I mean, it was still a fun place. Like it wasn't that like, I didn't like it. It was, I was still playing in it. It was still fun, but there was something like really wrong personally. Like I knew something was off. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, I had identified so strongly with that, that I was super, super scared of breaking it. Um, Mm. right. Like, you know, you can go to as many conferences and go to as many workshops as you want to, that will tell you about, you know, doing your own thing and, uh, growing something bigger. And until you deal with the inner stuff, with your perceptions of what it means to be enough with your fears of not having success, you will stimmy your success. You'll get in the way of it. You'll get in the way of your happiness. And so I did a lot of things to overcome that. One of them was I did a detox. I took three months off everything. Um, that mm. Secretly, this is the best bit. So I was in, again, I was in Bali at the time. It was the year my book came out, just when I was meant to be getting bigger. And all I wanted to do was take time off. I'd done like a sort of visualization. I was like, this is literally all I want to do. I don't have a vision for what I want. I just want to not be doing this. And so I had a business manager at the time and and a VA. And so a few months before I said, look, I'm going to take these three months. Let's work out what we need so that we don't announce it because I want it to be a test of how can this brand survive without me um, always being around. And so we pre-planned emails. We decided, uh, I think we did some social media stuff. We worked out like, all the processes, I wouldn't have to be there. And I took three months and I turned off, I l- turned off my iPhone and I, I think I literally took the SIM card out and never connected it to Wi-Fi. So I had no iPhone. I just had like a tiny touch phone to send texts very poorly to people. Um, I had a no writing rule. So I couldn't write more than like two sentences. And t- like I couldn't say, oh, I have a grand new idea and write it. Like I had to get off that. I could just do work on my body, uh, do work sort of spiritual work, or I could paint and do art. I had to not be focused on writing words um, because I've been storytelling my story every week to people in newsletters for several years. So I was all every week I'd wake up and say, what's my story now? What's my next story? And so every week was lived through story and I stopped. And that, I mean, honestly, if you want to know who you are, take three months off and stop yourself doing the thing you normally do and you'll have to mm. confront it. And that was step one. Um, and there was a lot that happened after that. I started changing the business. A few years later, I ended up really switching up uh, how I work completely, running a membership. Uh, I ended up closing what was a six-figure membership a few years ago. Um, because I knew that I was like, my time, I think now I need to make the break completely. And when I closed that membership that week, someone came to me and said, do you want to do a TEDx talk at this um, TED education event? 
And I was finally able to say yes, because I knew I didn't have to talk about the thing that I'd been so afraid of losing for ages. And that's where my TEDx talk came from. And now that has been doing super well. So it's like, it's a long answer, but I think it's, yeah, it's this part we don't talk about. You know, we talk about being a free range human, escaping nine to five, as if these are just things we tick off. But my experience Mm. and my clients has been the absolute opposite. Like you have to do work and know who you are. Um, because otherwise you can be knocked over so easily. So a number of things sprang up for me when you were talking there. Um, Firstly, um, Mm -hmm. this idea of success becoming a burden, it sounded like it, it, uh, something around that started to drain your energy and take it away from you. That's the feeling I got. The, The creative kind of, Sounds like frenetic creative energy process was emptying you out. Yeah, correct. in terms of all of this stuff that you're creating on a regular basis. If it, I got this sense of the tank slowly running empty in terms yeah. of what am I going to create next, and then this idea of fears. Like I'm, I'm now, I'm, I'm kind of create. I'm at the top of this mountain, and it's like I'm, I'm like balancing on the tip of this kind of pointy summit. And the fear of suddenly tipping over mm. and that, God, any time now I might cr- crash or fall and it will all go to bits. And what does that mean about myself? Did I hear that right? Is that you absolutely did. And I think I add to that is constraint. Um, mm. So here's an example. You know, as you know, my second edition, like massively revised of the book has just come out. When I'm doing an interview with someone like you in the first if I'd been doing this when the first edition came out, I would have had my talking points and I'd be sticking to point. Right now, and I say it with the most like love possible, I actually don't care. Like, <laughs> so, like I really, really don't. And the only way I could I knew I could ever write and release anything again is if I didn't care what worked. So I care deeply in the sense, you know, I've been working my ass off to make sure it's got the best start, you know, got a new website. Um, we've been like killing it with the press, you know, it's done super well already just, just having come out. But when, you know, I get on the phone or I get on an interview, I have to say what's true, not what I think it should sound like. Does that make sense? Mm. You know, because I'm like, actually, think about it, happy startup. I should probably should be talking about freedom. I probably should be talking about running projects. But I'm like, that's I just for me, and everyone's different, and I don't think everyone has to do it the way I do. I know that the biggest things that work for me personally when I look at my themes have been when I've said things that were true to me. When I didn't mm. go and follow the line. Now, that's not true for everyone necessarily. I think one thing I encourage people to do is to look at your themes in your life and where are the times that you had unexpected success or success that like led you to a certain point. And for me, it's always come, even when I had a job, I'd get my jobs because I'd blurt something out in job interviews that wasn't planned. Uh, and that <laughs> would be the thing they'd love. Like this one time I told a potential boss, he's like, what do you think of our brochure? And I was like, yeah, I think it's terrible. And I was like, what did I just say? And then he hired me because I actually criticized him. Um, but, you know, for me, and that, that's for me, that's the difference. In the past, I would never have this conversation with you. Oh, well, I love that you said that. And um, so there's some dots that seem to be connecting in my head. Is mm-hmm. at the, Towards the beginning, you were talking about 
you know the this the people that were reading your book and they were escaping the nine to five to then launch their successful in inverted commas business but they were sh- swapping out boxes they were going from one box to another box on this idea of being trapped and then it feels to connect when you're talking about success and holding on to that too tightly um there's a, a kind of the story i remember around how they capture baby monkeys i don't know if you know oh, i don't this know way. this yeah they get a very thin necked jar i think somewhere in the east Again, I don't know the details, but the image is they get this very thin neck jar. They put a peanut inside. They tie a rope around the neck, and then they tie the other end around a tree. So the monkey comes and wants to get the peanut, grabs the peanut, holds onto it. But because the fist is bigger than the neck, when they try and run away, they're trapped. But they want the peanut, so they hold onto it tightly, (laughs) but they can't get away. And the only way they can get away is to let go. And that, that idea that when you're saying about, all right, I'm constrained, I need to say this, but actually if I just let go and trust what the, what I will say or what I will do will be the right thing, then it will flow and it will be, it'll be the truth. That's what the message. And then I think the the thing I'm curious then about is like that takes uh, in sense kind of trusting yourself trusting your instinct, the word wisdom or inner wisdom or the phrase inner wisdom springs to mind, that feels like something that needs to be cultivated. Mm, and yeah. and you need to go on a journey to be able to trust the, your your gut in a sense. Does that, does that make sense? I, I 100%. Now, I'll tell you something I don't normally say, but I'll just say it here, is um, in free range humans, we don't run many courses now. We just run one a year. And when people have come to you know our, our courses, they think they're coming in because they want an idea. They want to find their right idea. They want to, whatever it might be, there's something very practical. And what we actually spend the first week or two on is exactly what you described. Like we actually go, I know you'll think you're here for this, but nothing that we or anyone else will say is going to work until you know how to trust, you know what your inner compass looks like, until you know what it was. Like how can you trust a gut when you don't know what your gut is saying half the time? Like how can you make a decision about what's right for you uh, or what the right next move is when you can't even like you're spinning? And it's like so we actually – so it's very important for, for me and for everyone I work with, we – I think there's such a separation of the intuition and the body from the thinking side of us. Um, Mm. And it's so, and I'm actually a super practical person. I'm like, it's really inefficient. Like we're relying on these tiny brains that we have, no matter how. And I think the, I'm someone, you know, I was like top of my class at school. I was a geek. Like I am totally that person who thinks I can think my way through anything. And that has thought me into a lot of problems. Um, so mm. I'm really keen. People who are particularly smart, we need to have another way to be smart if we want to run our own show, if we want to have freedom, because we need to be making decisions and seeing possibilities and making Mm -hmm. smart moves and the biggest edge that I think we can have is to do it differently from others and the way we do it differently is to use all the tools available to us you know to use our differences in personality so one thing I talk about a lot uh like I'm really passionate about is you know I look at all the other people in your industry and in my industry the way that I know John out there might be doing something 
he might have a different personality to me or to you. Mm. And if we try to be like him, we are using a small amount of our energy. So there's so many, I mean, sorry, a small amount of our potential and a lot more energy, right? Like we try to be someone else, we we lose our capability. And so I think all this stuff is intertwined. Um, mm. Yeah. There's um. So the what it sounds like you're talking about there is is alignment. Yeah. Alignment with what you do and what you and who you are, and then. And then to get that alignment, you know, like you said, it's like knowing what 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 do I really stand for? What is my, I think you say inner weirdness. What is it that makes me different? Um, so there's that there is that journey. So there's a, a so the picture I want to paint is that that we we create an identity for ourselves, and that identity may have been uh, influenced by our upbringing, our surroundings, our society, and that we then hold on to that, you know, that holding on to tightly. And that's who I am, whether this is a successful business or the successful professional. And what I heard you talking about was actually deconstructing that to peel away the stuff that isn't you to find the stuff that is you. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yep. Because that's your power. Like it's so, and also this is really practical stuff. Like that is literally your power. You know, if you're someone you know, to go granular, people who are like, what's an example, I'd say for me, a big, one of my superpowers is also my biggest Achilles heel and it is my sensitivity. So, you know, if I want to peel away my layers, I spent a lifetime and a career and even like the beginning of my business in hiding my sensitivity uh, as much as possible. Not because I intellectually thought, oh, that's a thing I should hide, but because I never even considered it could be a thing not to hide. I mean, those are the deep mm. ones where you're like, I don't know what I'm hiding. I'm not hiding anything. It's like, well, there's something that you are <laughs> hiding that you're not even considering is a thing that could be acceptable. The fact that I'm, you know, I, I, I struggle being in crowded rooms um, with loads of strangers for long periods, uh, that I read like the energy in a room really easily. I'm massively empathetic. Um, I get really like twitchy if I'm around fake people. Um it's not great for being like a sort of smooth social person, but that has been the reason I can do the work that I do because, mm. you know, in a, in a field that is, can be very different to that, when I double down on it, I do well. And when I hide it, I blend mm. in with the crowd. And so someone else will have the opposite. Someone else might be listening and going, that's so not me. Well, great. Well, we need people like you. <laughs> like we need people who aren't like me to fill in the other gaps. And I think this is where, I think when we come back, it's a nice circle saying you said at the beginning, you know, I, I said, you know, I don't think that we necessarily are here to do a certain type of work. Um, yeah. I, the reason, one of the reasons I say that is I think that puts a lot of the idea I am here to do this work puts pressure on people to fill in every piece of the picture. So, you know, I'm here to help people create a business would mean, oh my gosh, I need to be good at this and I need to be good at that. Whereas actually it's like, I'm here to be the best version of, of me. What does that mean in the work I'm choosing to do in this moment? What does that mean in the work that I can't help but do in this moment? Well, for me, it means no matter what work I do now or in the future, I have to be listening to my gut. I have to be using my empathy. I have to be using my storytelling that whether it's a visual or written, that's the work I do. And I think that's the difference in energy that we bring. You don't have to solve everyone's problems. You, know, you can say, I end here. My colleague over there is great at that. My business ends here. 
my, their business over there is great that maybe we'll partner with them or maybe we won't does that make sense yeah there's so there's a there's a journey of self-knowledge uh an understanding of where where it's like there's the your superpower can also be your kryptonite and there's like a shadow side to, to the to ourselves so there's not necessarily a black and white thing that i'm good at this and that's it but that aspect of me can also tip me over the edge if I if I focus it on too much. Um, there's also the thing that kind of sprang to mind is also the idea of acceptance and and even like radical acceptance, really doubling down. Right, that I get triggered by that, and I need to accept that isn't a bad thing. It's just me. Mm. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Yep. Yep. And that that the things where you are triggered by that by that thing of is that I think we have either is that thing about me enough or is that thing about me too much those are the two questions so if you have a big personality you might be thinking am I too much which is an experience I've had a lot of my life and one reason I moved to LA because I don't feel too much in LA Um, and (laughs) you might have something about you and I have so many clients like this who say but you know to be successful, you have to have this big brand and you have to be front of house and you have to be this and that. And they're very detail-oriented introverts. And their question is, am I enough? And so something I talk about a lot is there are so many ways to grow your own thing. You know, not everyone has to be front of house like I do. Like there's loads of people whose names you don't know but have equal or greater success than someone whose name you do know. So these are the conversations I think we need to have more of uh, in very practical ways. So we're not always you – know, I think our temptation, especially overachievers like me you know, who've always pushed ourselves, is to look at others who are a bit different from us and tell ourselves I need to be more like them. And we're just almost like if they did that – the other way around, you literally wouldn't have heard of them. Like they would literally be, they would be struggling. So if you take one lesson, I always tell myself, if I take one lesson from someone I see, it's to get really curious and ask myself, what's what's the point that they could have hidden something about themselves or told themselves it wasn't enough? What was that point? So it could be, I look at someone like say Seth Godin, Look at the way he writes. If anyone, I'm sure people read his blog or are familiar with him. He writes these really short posts. Now, he could have spent his life telling himself, well, I'm not a long lyrical writer. That's not like proper writing. You know, you can't just be someone who writes short posts. Like there are people who would say that about themselves. And he's made his brand through that style of writing. So I think these mm-hmm. the points where we go, when could that person have said that's too much? That's not enough. Um, that's where I get curious now. Yeah, it's fascinating. And there's there's this idea of, okay, to do it well, I need to do it like that person because they're doing it amazingly. But whether that really aligns to your the way you flow and the way your energy runs, is that's the important thing. It's like don't, don't put on someone else's suit when it really doesn't fit. Yeah. And then it's understanding what – things like then looking about – because the, the thing that springs to mind is like then you scan for the people who, who are more like you, but to do that, you need to learn about who you really are. I'm curious about that journey as well, because I feel from my understanding of that and also my own personal journey of that, that can be a scary process of peeling stuff away because you're so used to it and you're so used to being that other person or holding on to something like that. There's... It feels like a little bit chaotic and 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 scary to then tr- to then 
deconstruct that. I don't know if you, is that an experience that you had when you were redefining what success meant to you? And yeah. I mean, was your... It was a period of a few years. So yeah, over those, that time completely. Um, it was a very much a step-by-step process. One thing that I find really useful is looking at people who, no, I'm not necessarily say I, I admire, um, but people who have maybe, yeah, I was not, I will use that word, people who I admire in and out of my field, usually out, um, and saying, what is it about their journey that maybe I'm missing here? Maybe something I'm not doing. And when I say I admire, I mean people whose life I can see is, you know, very real, people who have a happiness in what they're doing as well as external success. And what I saw time and time again through gathering that evidence was that they were people who would let go of something at a point where most people wouldn't have. So they're mm. people who would have written a book and then instead of going on and getting known in that field, they may have said, actually, that journey's done for me. That was just a one-off. I'm over here now. And not necessarily there were people who kept changing their projects. That wasn't the point. The point was the that their compass was internal. And sometimes that compass said, stay with the path that you that most people would be on. And sometimes it just with the best of intentions, it was like, actually, my path is over here now. And that was why mm. I looked at them and I thought, wow, I'm sitting here admiring you and your work and I'm not doing the thing that you're doing. You know, I'm not allowing myself to, you know, I, I, I invested myself so much in this and not necessarily in the time I was spending on it, but in the emotional attachment I had to it. And that was mm-hmm. like a bit, and a big, big part of it was stepping back very, very much, not just from the work, but again, from the identity. So you know, I stopped traveling for a while because I was like, this travel identity is really strong. I want to play with that a little bit. Who am I outside of that? So I bought a place in London and did it up, um, which was cool. And so you, I think it's gathering evidence that's so important other than the one-dimensional narratives that we see. Mm. So I'm curious, actually, when you're talking about um, so the person who writes the book and says, oh, okay, that's enough. And, and you've said it previously about, you know, knowing what is enough and be, feeling enough. And so the question I had was around having passion for something you know you want to create something you're really invested in making it the best thing and that's where i see most the most creative and most beautiful things come from having that passion for something but then how that marries with the ability then to let go of it with let's say yeah it's done it's okay because it feels for someone who hasn't done the work that you've done and the journey that you've been on and who's looking at this from a very new perspectives like but i've got to be passionate i've got to be love something and i've got to be really attached to it to make it the best thing but at the same time what i'm hearing is all i need to also be not detached but unattached to it i don't know if there's a way i agree with that and i very much feel that you put it really well there so an example right now is you know my second edition of the book came out and before we started recording i I talked a little bit about how I, i felt around it now and one of my conditions for doing it with myself was I really want to fix the first edition and make it what it should have been and have a lot more of this stuff in it. But 
to do it, I would have to have it separate from my identity. That means, you know, I'm really grounded in um, my relationship. I'm really grounded in what I like. I love painting. I love you know doing my own thing. And while for the last week I have been in a book launch cave in which I have only talked to my partner and to my colleagues, like that is intentional. I'm like, I am giving this thing all the love I can give it. But, and I am so happy it does well. And if it isn't doing well, I'll pull out the stops and make it do well. But it still isn't me. And the best description I've had has been, I heard someone once say that it's very dangerous to, for example, to call your book or your business your baby. (laughs) Yeah. And I used to, I say, oh my gosh, it's my book baby. I'm like, wow, that's a bit of over-identification. And it's like, if you imagine raising a child or memory of being a child, you want to give your child the best thing, but it becomes a teenager at some point. And at that mm. point, if you want to give it everything you you can, one of the things you have to give it is understanding where you end and it begins. Um, and that I think is the best example. You know, how imagine a parent that doesn't know where they end and the child begins. Are they going to be helping that child or smothering it? Are they going to be helping themselves or leading themselves to a crash in the future? And of course, we all know the answer. And so I say, actually, treat your business like that. It go all in, but you know, know who you are. And I don't mean have some interests. Like I think that's a totally like like surface thing. I mean, like who if you, if you took your business away from you or took your idea or took your career away, who are you outside of that? And I remember, by the way, being asked that. And literally having a meltdown about it. It was mm. in 2013, I was in this room and I was asked that. And I, I remember being so angry. And I remember thinking, what sort of an idiot would ask that question? Unfortunately, the idiot was someone who had run incredibly successful businesses. And I was just like, fuming, which by the way, is a great indicator. You just heard something you need to hear. I was so angry. Like, I was just like, mm. what a stupid question. Why is it that I, I, I find it? And I was totally triggered totally triggered by it. Um, and I was angry about it for quite a while. And then I was like, actually, it was the question I need to hear. Where do you end and it begin? And I think we go through seasons as well. One thing I would say is at the very beginning of your project, you might be completely invested. And I don't mean invested just in what you do, but like your identity. That's kind of cool. It's like you're, it's like, you know, this is the pregnancy phase. Like it's growing inside you. You're part of it. It's part of you. But there is a time if you want that thing to grow and you want to be happy as well and you want it to have the most mm. success, you're birthing it. It's outside of you now. Where do you end it begin? You will make better decisions as the parents of that thing when you know that. And I mean, I know it sounds like really like it's very self-development-y, but I also think, again, this is why I got curious about success. Because I didn't, I, as I said, I'm, a, I'm such an overachiever. I didn't come to it from this point of I'm someone who sits and meditates for 12 hours a day. We should all chill out. I come to it from a point of being someone who is like, if I do this, it's going to do really well. Um, what does that mean? And so I got curious about success. And the more you look at sustainable long-term success and you look at people who have a life and a personality that maybe you would personality, but like a way of approaching the world that you would like to have some of, right? So I'm not talking about the Elon Musks of the world who are car crashing themselves and their businesses. I'm talking about like you, right? stories about that, um, but like people who, um, yeah, who you were like, actually, yeah, there's something in that. They're successful. And I love it. This is the stuff you hear again and again. And I'm like, and why do we ignore it? Um, and I, by the way, just yeah. final thing I say is I think 
that while I am all for going all in when you start something, I actually think you can start this thinking from the beginning in terms of the, the simple thing I'd suggest to people who are starting out is even if all of this, you're like, but I'm not even, don't even have a thing to be attached to. Maybe I am at the early stage. I said, the one thing you can take from this is this idea of your personality, this idea of who are you within your business or your idea that maybe is a little bit different to others in your field? Are you the quieter one in a field of outgoing extroverts? How are you using that? Are you pretending to be more like them? Or are you doubling down in how you present yourself or how you work within your brand on on that Mm. side? Or are you the opposite? So I'd say the one thing you can do now to set the groundwork for this and also to have more success is to say, what is my difference? Um, Where do I feel like I'm too much or not enough? And how can I bring that in 10% more today? 10% 10% more tomorrow because that will accumulate and le- and stop you sort of like it's like if you want you need to be going to the right it will stop you sl- slightly leaning to the left every day and you're it's just a better outcome to start with that I'm fascinated by that it, it's that there's this it sounds there's this journey of self-discovery um and tapping into like you said it sounds like the authentic self which is which is a challenge in itself on top of trying to run a business and make something happen. I think it's the same thing. It's interesting. I think it's kind of the same thing. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I, well, I, I've, I've, uh, I've been attracted to the, the phrase entrepreneurship as a journey of self-discovery. Yeah. Because it, there's, such, there's a level of vulnerability that you need to start um, cultivating to be able to to realize where, like you said, a, a where you stop and the business starts, but also where you are, you're pushing yourself beyond your boundaries. And it's when a time when you need to actually either collaborate or get someone else involved mm-hmm. and, and understand where, where do you play best? Where do you, are you in flow? And I don't think people understand that until they're actually trying lots of different things and trying to make something happen. Yeah, I um, totally agree with that. And when we're in a professional, uh, well, I don't know. I don't think I've ever had a professional career. Um, <laughs> when you're in a place and you're a, you have a role, you have basically a role within an organisation. That role defines you, and but you, because it's so well defined, you don't necessarily try out the other bits of you that might actually be more powerful, like you were saying, or, and also tell something more about yourself. So it's fascinating that. Um, Hearing about your story and your journey, I'm super curious. uh, Hopefully, this person sat next to us listening to what's going on is is more curious about your book. I'm very – I think the thing that struck me when you were talking was the example of uh, raising a child because I I have two kids. Mm. And when – and the thing that sprang up for me is that, yes, you know, you put a lot of – they are part of you. They are part of you. They, they, you know, you and your partner create this child, and they're there, and then the bits of you there. But you can't hold on to it and control where it goes because it's going to go into the world, and it's going to have. They're going to have their own experiences. The only thing you can do is give it love, give it care, but don't start trying to push it in certain directions because that might not be where it needs to go. And maybe you're just trying to live vicariously through there. 
their existence. So your self-worth is now tied to their achievements. Does that make sense? Completely. And then, you know, imagine how small the opportunities might be that you you give them if you're so tied to it because, you know, they can't go off and try that new instrument because they need to be the biggest success at the piano that they're already playing. But how do you actually know that that new instrument isn't going to be their thing? And that's what we do in, in our business as well. We don't allow ourselves to have that outside conversation because we're you know, showing up so hyper-focused. Um, and yet, you know, the, I was reading, I think, The Luck Factor by Richard Wiseman, um, which is okay. a great book uh, written a few years ago where he goes through and looks at what makes lucky people lucky. So people who would, he's a, I think he's a, I've met him before. He's a like a psychology professor, and he did a study of saying what does it people who rate themselves as luckier than average, as in they tend to have lucky experiences. What is it about how they approach the world? And you end up coming up with these factors that were really consistent. They call the luck factors, and one of them was that they would look at, and I might be phrasing this wrong, but they looked at things at opportunities outside of the sphere that um, most of us would look at. We Most of us look at narrow opportunities in front of us. We don't go out and because we come from a place of fear, we, we have to stay, we have to focus. Whereas the people who are lucky, they would go a little wider. And then the next thing was when they saw an opportunity, they would double down on it. So they would open opportunities and have those extra conversations that most of us wouldn't have. And I think that it ties back into this. You know, when we're so fearful because we our identity is tied to our business, we don't have breakthrough success. And that's why I think I see a lot of people very, very stuck and going around in circles. Um, yeah, because they're just not widening the the potential opportunities. I, I, I really love that. And I, I, there's, it feels like to hearing your, about your journey and also the, the ideas you have, I, I've, there's this path of going, going full circle going from, okay, I'm this kind of person, I need to be this kind of person, going along that journey, discovering actually this attitude of I'll be happy when I achieve this isn't really or isn't the truth. And then you come back to yourself and realize, actually, I'm just got to accept who I am, understand who I am, and then work from that. And and that abundance, because when you're talking about the fear, I think that scarcity mindset of I'm not enough and I need to stay safe, to I am enough and I can journey wherever I want to go and everything, that sense of abundance means I see more things around me. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not, and I'd say the biggest part of that I'd add is that we're not fighting against who we are because that's a huge waste of time and energy. Instead, we who we are, which means you're using an advantage that you have. I'd say the final example I give is I always tell people, like, if you had a vacuum cleaner, you wouldn't be going up to it every day and saying, you know what, you are not enough because you're not like the dishwasher. You'd be like, you're a vacuum cleaner. Like use it like a vacuum cleaner. You wouldn't go to the dishwasher and say, you know what, I wish you could clean the floors. Like you're really, really not not performing right now. And, and we do that every time we go on Instagram, compare ourselves to someone else and then go, oh, I guess I should do that too and add this thing to our list that is so out of our wheelhouse. I'm like, we are doing the most ridiculous thing. And just because it's you doesn't mean that it's sensible to do that. You wouldn't do it to an appliance. You wouldn't do it to a tool in your business. So don't do it to the biggest asset in your business, which is you. Mm. There's a, I think this is a quote by Einstein where it says, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing in it's stupid. And that, fun fact about that quote, it's an opening quote to one of my chapters. And unfortunately, I found out last week it's probably a fake quote. Um, 
Oh, I knew so it. Much. I knew and it's it. like I researched everything, but I finally found a piece and I was like, oh, no, it's the opening quote. But, you know, I think if Einstein had to say something, he may have said something like that. So I'm not going to go totally against it. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it's, just run with it, everyone. Run with it. Apparently everyone else has used it. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, it's I agree. You, you spend your life thinking you're not enough because you define yourself by something that is ridiculous. And the, the really promise the last thing I'll say on it is, Having done this work for like almost 10 years now with people, the thing that's amazing, especially when you in groups, is to see when, let's just say, the, the proverbial vacuum cleaner meets the dishwasher. <laughs> Terrible. We'll mm. run with them. And the dishwasher's like, I've always wanted to be like you. And the vacuum cleaner's like, are you kidding me? I can't possibly make this work without being like you. That's the power. Like look at those examples and double down on that. Like what would that, what's that person why would they want to be like you? What would they use if they were you? Like you, you've yeah. got it. I love it. So let's be more you. That's what we need people to be. Um, find out that makes it what makes us come alive, and just and go right. with that. It sounds like agreed. Yeah. Wow. Oh, uh, I, it's been a beautiful conversation, Marianne. Thank you very much for for sharing your thoughts and and wisdom. Um, for those uh, people who are more curious now about the book, when did it come out? When does the book come out? Uh, when did it come out? Yes, it came out in the UK. It's now out. It came out at the beginning of September. And the US is out at the end of September on the 28th, I believe. Brilliant. And uh, you said uh, for those of us who are, are kind of more audiobook people, we'd look out for it towards the end of September. Yes, the audiobook is out in September. But right now, you know, paperback, hardback, um, and Kindle all out in the UK uh, right now. Awesome. And you're in your, in your favorite online stores. <laughs> Go and check them out. And so what's uh, next for you? Is it just loads of book promotion or have you got any projects lined up that you're... Oh, yeah, good question. Or are you going to just relax? I've, just moved, I've sort of just moved to New York. Um, so I'm sitting here for you recording this, uh, sitting in our apartment in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, over, like we're on the river. So I feel like I'm on a boat overlooking Manhattan. Oh. So it's like I love looking at Manhattan while not being in it. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> best way to see the city. So that I also currently live, have a place in LA up in the hills, um, which I'm probably keeping for a while longer. So I'm, I'm actually just spent, we just moved into this place on the weekend as the book launched. So wow. I'm launching a book and creating a new home is the thing I'm focusing mm. on right now. And we're staying here about a year. So nesting in this community. Um, just relaunched the Free Range Humans website. It's super shiny and super pretty. Um, doing a few fun things with that, um, mostly as a spoiler, like me giving uh, a lot of sort of uh, spotlight to other people who are doing the work um, like under my brand. And yeah, personally, I've got a few other things going on on the side, creative projects that I want to double down on. So I, I'm very seasonal. I'm going to work super, super hard at the moment on the book, get the brand up, get the other people in there to support people to bring stuff to life. And then I'm probably going to go off and, I know, do some art or something for a while. Mm. And then I'll come back and we'll launch a course next year. So that's my, <laughs> that's my next plan. Nice. Well, look forward to hearing more about that next project. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll be sharing the book and, and oh, talking you. about it. And I'm looking forward to uh, listening to the audio version. Um, so I think, thank you very much mm -hmm. for this conversation, this opportunity to hear from you. And um, yeah, look forward to 
look for looking forward to, to connecting more. Thank you. This has been really fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this Happy Startup School podcast. We're on a mission to help purpose-driven entrepreneurs and individuals find more alignment between what they believe and the work they do. Because for us, happiness is when what you think, say and do are all aligned. Happiness isn't just a passive feeling, but an active way of living, which isn't always easy, but when it's done right, can be effortless. We're on a mission to help you find happiness by providing tools, courses and community that inspires you to follow the journey of building a happy startup. This will require finding out more about yourself, as well as learning how to build a purposeful business. If you're excited by this, then please rate and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform, and then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com. You can also read our blog at ahappy.link forward slash read.